When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is February 1st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully, if you're in New England, you have recovered from all the snow. It was just a friggin' crazy blizzard uh, for those who are not in the Northeast. Maybe you're in a warm area and you're like, wow, Evan, I don't care at all that it's seven degrees and snowing like crazy. But for those of us here... Uh, quite the weekend of snow. I kind of wish it could happen on a weekday. So like, you know, kids could have school off and, and people could maybe get work off. But a lot of people work from home now. So I guess it wouldn't even matter. Anyways, uh, the Bruins did not have the greatest of all weeks. And to talk about that, plus uh, Tuka Rask injury and uh, the future at center, which I think is going to be a topic that we discuss a lot uh, in the next coming weeks and months, I had on my good friend, Scott McLaughlin from weei.com. Now Scott has never been on. So is the first time guest, first time guest, definitely going to have him on again and in the future. So uh, we discussed all those things. Remember every episode is brought to you by our good friends over at bet online. Remember to use that promo code CLNS 50, especially with the Super Bowl coming up. I actually did a ton of Super Bowl props last year and I went six for six. Maybe you remember because I probably told you. Anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Scott McLaughlin. And we're here with Scott McLaughlin. Scott, what is up? Not much, Evan. What's going on with you? Not that much. This is your first time on Bruins Beat, I think, ever. You're you're I can't believe I was going through the thing, I was going through the list before recording and i was like i can't believe i've never had scott on um but this know, is the, the, it. La- the last time we were doing videos together was when you're an intern and we were doing them post game up on level nine yes i forgot about those yes we were doing uh after the playoffs after those playoff games and yeah uh, me you matt kalman um it was just it was a it was like the hall of fame crew right there i mean you couldn't you couldn't beat that um but yeah, that it's funny that now that feels like years ago. I mean, it was years ago, but it feels even longer because of COVID. Like that was like, I go back and look at videos of the playoffs and be like, oh my God, no one's in masks. And I'm like, wow, that was life for a little while. It was a fun time that we had. That, that was, yeah, that was the 2019 playoff run. And it was like really kind of the last normal playoff run we had. Obviously 
2020 get the bubble last year things start to get normal like as the playoffs are happening you know some teams get fans back but um yeah crazy crazy yeah, no, but so no, those are fun times. But yes, I can't believe I haven't had you on, um, since then. But now here you go. You're, now you're on my platform, not on yours. It's like, it's completely different. Yeah. Um, and anyways, uh, you are over at uh, EEI. So you have uh, written a lot of stuff. We'll get into your top five centers the Bruins should target, uh, later in today's episode. I want to start though with some recent ish news. Tukarask back on the injury shelf. He, uh, came down with a lower body injury right before the trip, uh, or right right after the Colorado game that got announced. Um, and Swayman has to come from Providence. People are like, oh my God, Swayman's coming back. Now the question with Rask is obviously he's coming off hip surgeries, you know, had this issue, seemed fine after the Philly game. Then he has some rough starts afterwards. Now he's feeling something. Is this, I, I, I can't tell if this is something I should be concerned about long-term or not. Yeah, it, it's tough to say. I mean, I think some level of patience was, going to have to be required no matter what and that wasn't just from a play perspective that's also from a health perspective because you know he is coming back from major surgery he's also 34 years old so you know like there's just there's more chance for something to go wrong or something to not quite feel right um you know fits and starts as he come as he works back up to full speed and yeah he gets through four starts they Sounds like they, they didn't think much of it. I mean, he went on the road trip and, you know, obviously they didn't recall Swayman before then. So they thought he was going to be okay. May, you know, maybe Allmark starts the first game or two on the road. Um, as it turns out, he, you know, wasn't able to play at all on the road. And now, you know, won't be back for Tuesday night's game. And then they get the All-Star break. So we'll see where it's at after Wood. You know, they're kind of making it sound like it's fairly minor. So you would assume he would be back after that. If he's not, then, you know, then it becomes a different discussion. And now Swayman's up for a while. Um, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, we'll see Allmark or Swayman Tuesday. And then it's possible, you know, Swayman could be right back down after the All-Star break and, uh, you know, all this excitement was for nothing. Or if it lingers with Rask, then, yeah, then Swayman probably gets into a few games and, uh, you know, has a chance to to maybe, uh, you know, push this a little bit and show that, hey, I, I still belong here. And, you know, you're not sending me back down without a fight. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, if, if the Bruins lose all their games with Swayman and Olmark together, people are going to be pretty pissed that they don't get to see the hug again. I mean, this is that would be ridiculous. I think that would be the worst part of this whole thing if people don't get to see the hug. Um, but it's funny, you know, you look at Rask and kind of him adjusting to the Boston net. Obviously, four games so far. Uh, great against Philadelphia, his first game. Bad against Carolina. The whole team was bad in front of him, obviously, for that game. Then he got Winnipeg where he was shaky to begin, but good down the stretch. And then Anaheim where he was really, really shaky, uh, not great. And there, you know, Cassidy said, and he's alluded to this, you know, they're trying to get him, they're working him in. You know, it is, it's, it's the end of January. By the time this releases, it's February. Isn't that wild to think that like we're recording January 31st? The way I made that sound made it sound like, you know, we're releasing this like a month later. In reality, it's just a day, but it is basically it's February. You have February, March, April. And then you're starting to look at the playoffs. And I just, I'm wondering in my own head if three months with his coming off surgery, with his rustiness already, if that's going to be enough time for him to actually acclimate. 
with Olmark there as well, with Swayman down in Providence. Like, I do wonder if there's a situation in which they get to April and they say he's not ready. I don't know how we're going to be able to put him in for the playoffs. I'm, I'm wondering if, if you're kind of feeling that same thing as well. Yeah. And I would think that if he's not playing well at that point or he's, you know, still dealing with some stuff, then they wouldn't play him. That, like, I would, you know, I think this should be a situation where it's legitimately best man wins. Like, whoever gives you the best chance to win going into the playoffs, that's got to be who starts. And that could be Allmark, who, you know, has played pretty well over the last, say, month and a half, two months. Uh, it could be Swayman if he gets a chance to come up and shows what he can Cassidy even said, um, I think it was over the weekend, that, Swayman's still in the conversation. You know, yeah, he's playing his games in Providence, but they're still monitoring him. They're still getting reports on him every day. And, you know, if the, at the time comes where, hey, Rask and Ulmark or one or the other isn't getting it done and Swayman might be the best option we have, then, you know, I think they would go to him. Um, so, yeah, so there's time to figure it out. But to your point, not a ton. I mean, you know, I think realistically, like by the time you get to April, you probably want to be starting to like get into a, a good rhythm there and rotation and really figuring out what your plan is. You know, if, if Allmark's say Allmark's going to be your number one going into the playoffs, you want him to, to feel like that. You know, maybe there's some stretches where he plays two of three or three of four um, or gets a back to back because that might come up in the playoffs um, is playing tougher teams. So he has, you know, those good tests down the stretch against good teams. Um, you know, I think you have to be thinking about that. I would think like as April begins, sort of really planning out what it's going to look like in the playoffs. So that kind of gives you, you know, it's still a little bit of time to say to mid end March, kind of fool around and, you know, see what you've got. The one good thing for the Bruins is, you know, I know Rask said uh, we can't afford to, you know, have me go out and, you know, just be finding my way. I mean, they actually kind of can like, they're going to be in the playoffs. The field for the Eastern Conference is basically already set. You can, you know, you know what the eight teams are going to be. So to really take a disaster for them to never might miss the playoffs, but even end up in a position where they're in a playoff race. So they do have some time. They have a cushion. Like they can get Rask some starts and live with some hiccups here and there. Um, but we know that Cassie has put that, you know, he said like seven or eight starts all right, well, there's already been four. So does that mean, you know, when Russ comes back after the all-star break at some point, that's only four more starts. And now, you know, now you're reassessing and you're able to judge them or whatever, or now that there's been this little setback, you know, now there are more games that you need. Like they do have a little bit of time to play with it, but not, um, you know, you can't screw around too long for sure. Yeah, because I'm looking at the standings right now. Again, the Bruins are in the second wild card spot. They have a nine game lead, a nine point lead on the Red Wings with games in hand as well. So as you said, like, there's no way, knock on wood, there's no way that they fall out of that race. The issue, as as you said, is um, making sure a guy feels like he's the number one, right? Because no team really splits goalies in the playoffs consistently. I don't think you can do the Swayman Allmark thing each game if a team can do that like good but I don't know if that's kind of what you want to do going into the playoffs I think the bigger concern as you said is they need a guy to be the legit number one 
down the stretch and into the playoffs. Because again, you're probably facing either Florida, Tampa, Carolina. Like you're going to need A++ goaltending most likely to beat these teams because they're so good. And I don't foresee a, I mean, I guess maybe the Bruins could catch the Maple Leafs. That's always in the cards. But it doesn't feel like Florida and Tampa are going to be the ones that they catch. Maybe they face Toronto again. Or actually, no, they wouldn't. That would be, um, I don't think they can face Toronto again, which is unfortunate that we don't get to have that this year. But the big thing is, I do feel like Olmark, though, has really kind of started to look like a starter, even though I know obviously he didn't look like one Sunday night. That was three straight games for him all on the road. He hadn't had that yet this year. It's kind of funny how Olmark's starting to come around after everybody kind of wrote him off. Everyone's like, oh, what a terrible signing. And it's like, you know, like, Free agent goalies take a couple months to adjust, and lo and behold, he's adjusting. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Sunday was definitely a setback. Uh, not that he was at fault on certainly not all of them, maybe not any of them, but, you know, you you would like to have your goalie bail you out on one or two of those, um, which is, you know, the same thing with Rask. It, it's, you know, just about any goal at the NHL level should be able to stop the shots that they're supposed to stop. You know, to be a really good goalie, to be like that true number one that you're talking about, you've got to stop shots you're not supposed to stop. You've got to steal some, you know, rob some goals. And that's actually one area where I think Allmark has not been great. Like, if you look at, like, his save percentage on high danger chances, it's improved a little bit from a, a poor start. But it's still, like, below average in the NHL. And that doesn't mean he's a below average goalie. It just means in that one area he's not, he's not doing a ton to save, you know, to take away great chances. Um, but, it, you know, it's also, to your point about, like, needing a number one that you can ride and, and potentially steal games against a better, more talented team, that's also why it's worth giving Rask this shot and, you know, seeing what you have there because he's, you know, I know some Bruins fans will never want to admit this, but, like, he's the one goalie in this group that has done that, who has been a number one on a long playoff run. And, like, you know, whatever, if you want to say, oh, well, game six against Chicago or game seven against St. Louis being collapsed in both cases, fine, whatever, you know, go with that. But like in both of those years, Rask was great pretty much start to finish in those playoff runs. So he's in one of them, you know, was what, three years ago. So he's at least been the number one for a long run like that. And that's why it's worth bringing him in because you have two other goalies who not only have not been a number one for a long playoff run, have not even played an NHL playoff game. So, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you're, you're excited about both of them. You like both of those goalies, but they haven't done it. Like there's no guarantee they're going to be able to. So that's why, you know, you give Rask some leash and give him a chance to, to show, you know, whether or not he can get back to being the goal he was in say, you know, 2019, 2020. Yeah, and again, as as even like I mentioned, Olmark's been hot up until the Dallas game, and you know you saw it against Arizona and such. A lot, some of those shots that go through him, it's like, oh, like oh, that's that's not what you want there. Like, and, and it's it's a weird thing because in the regular season you kind of look over that stuff, but once you get to uh, May and June, it's weird saying that as the new playoff months, but when you get to those months, you don't you you can't have that. You you really can't have that. So. And I am interested in Swayman. Again, I think that's another one. Like, I think a, I, it feels like a lot of his best games have come against 
worse opponents this year, which is fine, right? But like, again, I don't know if you can be like, oh, well, he's automatically going to be so good in the playoffs. That's why he should be up here over. They should never have brought Rask back. And it's like, no, as you said, to your point, like Rask is the only one that's actually done any of this. Um, and you need that. And you need that. Remember how good Rask was? Uh, not in the, it's funny. Everyone brings up the 2013, uh, playoffs and game six and all that stuff. But you look back at that Pittsburgh series. Remember how, what was it like? 70? He, he was incredible. It was like 78 of 81 shots and he got them to sweep. Yeah. I think it was like a number like that. It was, yeah, it was insane. It was like a 980 save percentage or something crazy <laughs> against the mid 2000s penguins, mid 2010s penguins. Like it was absurd. Um, and I, and I just, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from this injury because I, I don't think it's like a huge injury. Uh, but I am interested to see what he kind of. What he, what he looks like afterwards. And if he can kind of, as he said, he's too deep in his net sometimes. He wasn't tracking pucks well. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, when we're talking about safe, fun bets, you know, it's not as hard to bet on, on a goalie, right? It's hard, Scott, it's hard to bet on a goalie sometimes. You never know what to expect, but yeah, when you even, really want to know it, but even like great, say? even great goalies have terrible playoff series and you, you always get like that no name guy who has a great series and steals it. So. Andrew Hammond. Yes, there but, you go. Bruins got to bring in Andrew yeah. Hammond. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about bets. Our good friends over at Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scored totals, playoff performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% all bonus. On that first deposit, just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just football. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the biz. From sports, write down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Promo code CLNS50, BetOnline, where the game starts. Got my Connor Ryan accent on there for that one. Um <laughs> Anyways, yes, it's funny that the football has been unbelievable lately the past, uh, couple weekends and not, I mean, just bananas, uh, comebacks and endings. I mean, geez, it's almost rivaling the, like the NHL playoffs. I mean, did you expect any of this? No, it's insane. Like usually you get, you know, maybe one or two good games around. It's two straight rounds where every game has been decided right at the end. Like that it's preposterous. And now you get a Super Bowl that, you know, I don't think. I don't think too many people would have expected, you know, maybe Rams people think, but you know, even, even with the way the Bengals finished the year pretty strong, like I don't, I don't think anyone saw them getting through, getting through the chiefs. No, not at all. And I, I looked at the score. I, I was working on some other stuff and I looked at the score. It was like, what, like 21 to three. And I was like, Oh, look, game's over. Like the chiefs obviously have this one. There's no chance the Bengals come back from this. And then they did. And the other fun thing is going to the Super Bowl, The biggest story has nothing to do with the game. It's, is Brady retired or not? Which has been another bananas story. It's it's always um, Brady for like for twenty years. The biggest story, whether he's there or not, is always Brady. Like there's my always thing something seeing, going on. My favorite thing was people being like Ben Roethlisberger when he sees Brady retire, like a couple like two days after him. You know, like dude, you couldn't have given me like a little bit more of the spotlight. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, just incredible. And also the ESPN stuff is really. Kind of odd. Uh, they were, I was watching a lot of the, um, men's college basketball coverage they had that day and they kept breaking in with Schefter. 
being like, <laughs> no, like he's retiring. Like, no, you can believe me. And he looked by like 9 p.m. He looked so worn down. Like, it's just like just the life taken directly out of him. So that was a that was a weird day. I'm still not convinced he's retired. I think he does retire, but I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I think he probably does. But, yeah. you know, obviously he, he wanted to do it on his terms and he's not happy that it got out. So <laughs> they play whole year in spite. And by the way, got got out to someone at the network where he currently has a 10 part documentary. So I'm sure, he's so not I'm thrilled wondering. about that. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is I thought he'd announced it. Like I thought it would either be like a social media video or it would be the 10th documentary. I haven't seen the whole series, but I think it's like one left and it's like the 10th. And I yeah. figured he would announce it maybe on that. And now that's Schefter was like, nope. So I don't know. That's a whole nother like huge topic that we'll let the Patriots people kind of dissect and figure out. But there's other big stuff in the Bruins world. And that is at center, which is a storyline I think we could talk about for the rest of the year. And I think we will be talking about for the rest of the year. Eric Halla was put on the shelf with, uh, with COVID prior to the Dallas game. And they had to put Coil up at 2C. They moved Pasternak back to the first line. They brought in Stephen Fogarty for the third line. And I think a lot of people looked at it and said, wow, they not only do the Bruins need a center, but they need a second line center. And you, my friend, wrote a story on the five centers Bruins should target. And you started with David Krejci, which at this point is just cruel and mean. Uh, to do to people. That's just twist to the <laughs> that, knife. That's what I go. Cruel and yeah, mean. Yeah, just. Yeah, well, oh, oh, right off the start too, nice little slap to the face. But you got Krejci, you had JT Miller, which is one that people have talked about a lot. Tomas Hurdle's been talked about since the start of the season. You also had Joe Pavelski, who's an interesting one. He's been on a tear. I was actually watching the Dallas broadcast of the game on Sunday night, and they kept focusing on Pavelski. And I'm like, all right, like can we get off this. But real in reality, his points are in. He's been absurd this year, and yeah, for his age, he's been unbelievable. He's having the the best offensive season of his career on a points per game basis, and he's thirty seven <laughs> years old. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy. And we're talking and about Tom line, Brady. We're talking about Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, and that line with him, Rupe Hans, and uh, Jason Robertson, they went head to head with uh, Marshan Bergeron Pasternak, the you know reunited top line. And I thought really got the better of that matchup. Like they, they were having, you know, long shifts in the offensive zone, pinning, pinning that line in, like they, they got the better of them. And that's, you know, it's weird because it was like for years, Dallas's top line was always Sagan and Ben and that, you know, they were both involved Sunday as well. Obviously I think the entire Dallas roster was, Um, (laughs) but now, but now it's like, it's clear. It's the Pavelski Hansel line. That's, that's their best line. And, yeah, he's been great. I mean, he's playing more wings, so that would be, you know, I mentioned that in the article. Like, that's one thing the Bruins would need to decide is, like, do they view him as a full-time center still? Because he, he kind of split time between center and wing last year, and this year has been almost exclusively right wing. Like, he'll, he'll still take his fair share of face-offs because he's still good on them, but once play gets going, he's really playing wing more than center. Yeah, he's an interesting one because again, I think it comes down to he's a guy who's experienced, he's battle tested, he's doing well. He, I I don't I can't remember Scott faceoffs wise. Um, he was always like in the middle of the road with faceoffs, right? He was never like a really good one or a really bad faceoff guy, if memory serves, right? Yeah, I feel like maybe uh, I feel like maybe above average. Um, yeah, like somewhere in that like, realm. Elite. Yeah, yeah, and so, but again, I think. I would, I mean, you'd have to, you'd think you'd have to take him. The funny thing is though, that line with Dallas, 
is so good. And they're only a few years removed from the cup, which I think people forget that Dallas team was in the Stanley cup two years ago, um, which I think, again, people just sort of forget, but they're in that really tough and weird and close central division. They're 48 points right now. They're kind of, you know, they're vying for a playoff spot ish. They're, you know, they're a point out from Calgary, but it seems to be that's the only spot up for grabs that final wild card spot. So maybe they get it. Um, but they could also sell him. But the interesting one you have on your list is Claude Giroux, which I, everybody keeps going back to. And it's, it's an interesting one because he's been sort of their guy with Philly for so long now. And I think, you know, when you really look at teams over the past 10 years that have underachieved more so, it's got to be the Flyers, right? I mean, that team, I don't know if you can say they should have won a cup, but they, they were out of the mix way more than they ever should have been over the past 10 years. Yeah, they've, they've been very, in, especially like over the last maybe five to six years, very inconsistent from year to year where it's like there's years where they're, they'll overachieve and like all in and you're like, oh yeah, they have some good players like this, you know, watch out. This could be a team to team to keep an eye on. Uh, and then there's years where, you know, they'll go in like the next season and have some expectations and just be awful and like be out of it by like by this point, by like Christmas, New Year's, you know, sometime in January. Oh man, what happened to the Flyers? Like, where did it all go wrong? And <laughs> for for a long time now, it's been defense and goaltending, and that's that's been a pretty consistent story for them. And they've tried different ways to address it, um, and it's never really worked. You know, Carter Hart has still not really developed into the the high end goalie that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, I, you know, it's not all on him, like the defense in front of him still struggles. They, you know, they went out and they got Ryan Ellis and Rasmus Ristolainen in this past offseason. <laughs> you know, and I, I like Ellis and I think he's been fine when he's been healthy. He's also been banked up a bunch. Um, but yeah, line and trade that was, I don't know. I guess they thought, you know, they could rescue him from Buffalo and still saw some of the potential that made him a high draft pick, but, uh, he, he hasn't been very good, and the defense as a whole has not been very good this year. Um, you know, they still have talented offensive players, and Claude Giroux is still producing. He's still having a good season. He still drives play at a high level. Like, the, still, you know, I think just about everything you'd want in a in a center man, the, the questions with him would be, um, you know, he has, he has had some tough postseasons the last few times that the Flyers have gone, along with plenty of other guys that you can throw under the bus. But I think he has – two goals and 10 assists in his last like 28 playoff games. Um, you know, and that's like a dramatic reversal from early in his career where, when he always seemed to step up in the playoffs and, you know, I think he was like a point of game guy for, for years in the postseason. So, um, but you know, a guy who's, who's never won a cup, as you mentioned, has had teams that, you know, looked like they had a chance, obviously got to the one cup final in, uh, 2010 after they came back against the Bruins. Um, but hasn't been back since then. So you assume, you know, he'd be pretty hungry to try to chase one at this point in his career, 34 years old. Um, and that's where, you know, the discussion gets going about him potentially being traded because the Flyers are going absolutely nowhere this season. So he's on the final year of his contract. Um, you know, yeah, he could go the route of, Hey, he's been a Flyers whole career. He's second in franchise history in points. You know, he could just ride it out there and be a Flyer for life. 
But if he wants to chase that cup, then you know, then then he's he's got to be looking for a trade. And the Flyers, I assume, would love to be able to get something for him rather than risk having him walk in the offseason. Good. Another uh, inconsistent uh, forward after the first line from the playoffs. That's always fun, right? <laughs> uh, but no, I do I do think that, you know, it's funny. He comes here. He's always been the main guy in Philly for a while now. On the bright side, if he came here, he wouldn't be facing the top another uh, team's top matchups, you know, top lines. So maybe he thrives in the secondary matchups and kind of puts up points there. Much better situation. I think the indication if they went out and got Claude Giroux, uh, he's a guy who's who's not signed uh, next year. He's signed through the end of this year. He's going to be a free agent. This would be a strictly short term win now move. This would indicate that this. I mean, we all know it, but this would probably be the final run at a cup it would have to be because again if you would go out and get a guy like hurdle he's younger i think you have a little bit better chance of him of him signing long term especially because you'd hope that he'd be maybe a one or two c of the future jt miller's a guy who signed past this year so that's another guy who you have for the future Giroux is just this year to me Giroux shouldn't be the first uh their primary target but i do think that in this, I think if they did go for him, it would signal, hey, this is probably the final year of this. Like, there's no way, unless they could re-sign Giroux, you know, if they could get Bergeron and Giroux to re-sign for like a year or two each. But again, hard to tell if that's the case either. So Giroux, if they went for Giroux, it would feel like we're going all, we're, th- we're putting all our chips to the middle of the table with this one. Um, but I don't know. I mean, what would it take for that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like because Giroux would probably be one of the better rentals, you know, again, maybe not as appealing as a hurdle who's younger and, you know, probably a more dynamic offensive player at this point. But I still think you're probably giving up at least one premium asset even to get Giroux. So I don't know if that's this year's first round pick. You know, I, I found the Bruins. I don't think I'm entertaining Lysel or Swayman, but uh, you know, maybe it's Mason Lorai is the centerpiece, you know, a, a player who, whose value is rising. Evan, as you know, is having a very good freshman year at Ohio state, um, you know, a, as an overage player, which like should be noted, but nonetheless is having a very good season. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like, uh, he's like Adam Sandler in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> No, he's doing great. He's 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 having a great year. I, we don't mean to like make light of it. Yeah, it's funny though. There like, was, you, I mentioned you would this be to last, I mentioned this to Ty last week. There was a great highlight going around of this spinorama pass that Mason Lowry yeah. made, and everyone was like, "Whoa, my God, that's incredible!" And I was like, "It's great. It's great." But it came against LIU. Like, yeah, you got to have a little <laughs> sense of the awareness there for those moments. But it was great. It was a great night. And I personally, I would not look to trade Lowry, but that that's you know, who knows. Yeah, but you know it comes. It always comes back to like, yeah, t- to get a good piece, to get a number two center, you're gonna have to give something up. Like that player's, yeah, not gonna come cheap. You know, you got Taylor Hall for super cheap. You know, for only a second round pick and Anders Bjork, but that was because he had a no trade clause and he basically forced his way to Boston. He, you know, more or less told him like, trade me to the Bruins. So yeah. unless you can find another guy like that, like I don't know, you know, maybe someone can get a hold of Claude Giroux and be like. Hey, go tell the Flyers you're only going to Boston. Then great, but <laughs> short of that, like you're not going to be able to get you know a top six impact guy, or if we're talking about defense, you know a top four defenseman for a second round pick and you know 
a bottom six forward or a middle tier <laughs> prospect. Like that's, that's not going to happen. So, um, you know, at some point, like you've got to be able to give up something and it might, it might have to end up being, you know, uh, a Mason Lorai. You mentioned Lorai and I, I wouldn't want to trade him just cause I do think that that's one area where you're not deep as you need, you're looking for that top four left shot defenseman of the future. And he seems like at least he's on the track to do that. Speaking of defensemen though, I mean, do you think that a guy like back with, his rising stock this year in the NHL. You think that could be something where maybe he's not the centerpiece, but he prevents you having to give up a low ride. Like instead you might give up, you know, the package you'd give up plus back and nine. And that saves you low ride. That could maybe even save you a first. It could. I mean, back and nine has certainly helped his, helped his uh, value for sure. Um, and helped the Bruins value. Um, you know, I guess the, the question there is, is you know, are you doing anything else to address your defense? Because if you, if you're saying we're going to go after number two center, like if that ends up being your priority and that's the move that you make, chances are you're probably not also getting a top four defenseman. Like you might get a depth defenseman, you know, some sort of veteran. Uh, but then you would need to decide, like if you're, if you're debating giving up back and can he help us win this year? Because over the last few weeks, he's, in terms of ice time, he's basically been their number two defenseman. Like only McAvoy has been playing more minutes. And, you know, I think Vaganine has done pretty well. Like, I think he's, I think he's playing pretty good hockey for the most part. So I don't think it's totally out of the question that this is a guy who ends up uh, winning a job for you this year and becomes a regular for you by the time the playoffs get here. So that would be tough, but, you know, again, like, Got to give something up. So if he's valued by other teams and other teams see what he's doing and maybe they look back at, you know, their notes from the 27 draft and like, oh, yeah, this is a play we really liked. Yeah, maybe, maybe he appeals enough to another team that he is a – that he can be a key piece to a to a major trade. Um, you know, I would I certainly wouldn't give him up as like a throw-in or anything like that. Like, oh, you no. Know, I would trade him if someone values him highly. Um, but other than that, like I would be very tempted to to try to keep him just because I think there's a chance that he's going to help them this season. It's not like in Moneyball where Billy Bean's like, "Oh, I'm going to throw in this guy. I'll throw in. A, I'll, I'll I'll pay for your vending machine for the next year. I'll give you. I'll give you Erho back in nine. I don't think it's anything like that. But yeah, I mean, if you can center a trade for a, a, a second line center like Giroux or Hurdle or someone, if you can centerpiece that around like Vakaninen. I don't hate that. I, I again, I and I know the other thing is they have to address depth on D because I, as you said, I don't, you're not getting both. You have to pick between a two C and a top four uh, defenseman. I also think it's tough because there's not a lot of other top four defensemen on the market. I think that it seems like there's more centermen than there is defensemen at least. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it, that it kind of feels like helps. on D, on defense. It's like you're gonna have to wait to see maybe which Western Conference teams fall out of it. Um, cause there's a few guys like on some of those bubble teams, you know, like maybe a Hampus Lindholm in Anaheim, but if Anaheim's hanging around and they're in the playoff race, then they're not trading Hampus Lindholm. So, um, yeah, you know, we might get a chance to see one, one of the guys, uh, Tuesday night, there's already been some rumors about, uh, Seattle possibly trading Mark Giordano. Now I think his first preference would be to go back to Calgary, um, you know, so you'd have to compete with that. Right back. <laughs> yeah, which would be it? pretty, it would be pretty crazy. <laughs> but I think, you know, that they, they parted on good terms. Like, it's not like it was like, 
oh, we got to just, you know, dump Giordano. Like, we're done with this guy. So you go to Seattle. You know, I think everyone kind of understood, like, why he was the one who got, had to get exposed so they could protect other younger defensemen. Um, you know, so he, you know, they might just do that. But if he's available to a wider market and he's open, open to going elsewhere, then, you know, that's one player who would be available in the sense that, like, you know Seattle's out of it. It doesn't look like they have much of a chance of making any sort of run. So, you know, but to your point, there aren't a whole lot of those guys right now on teams that are are really completely out of it. Yeah, there's no one that's clear, like, oh, that guy's going to be available. Like, I think you're going to have bidding wars for guys like Hurdle or JT Miller. That's, like, the big one. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. Again, we're still just under two months away from the deadline. Like it, it feels like it's way closer than it actually is. Cause it normally is much closer. Um, but anyways, it, Bruins got a lot to do there. I mean, again, I think it's going to come down to either you pick a two C and a depth defenseman, or you pick a top four D, which I think is gonna be a little harder to do and maybe a depth forward. I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe know. like a, De- a DeBrusque replacement. If, if you yes. do end up trading him, which, which might not even happen at this point. So, yeah, I don't, I, it feels like he's just going to be around here forever. I think every time he gets like Oreos over the glass, he's like, you know, maybe I like it here. Maybe I, I don't need to, I, you don't need to trade me if you don't want to. But anyways, Scott, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. Before you go, w- what would you like to plug? What can the people look forward to with you? Uh, people can find me on, on wei.com writing there at smclaughlin9 on Twitter. Uh, we've got our skate podcast over wei. So all of the, all of those platforms, uh, you know, find anything Bruins there. And what day, what day can people look forward to that coming out on? Uh, so we usually do one a week and usually it's out Tuesday or Wednesday. I think we're recording on Wednesday this week. Um, after, you know, as the Bruins get to the break. So that'll probably be out like late Wednesday, Thursday morning. Right after the Kraken game that is either going to be like a five, one Bruins win or a five, one Bruins loss. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Anyways, Scott, Thank you for coming on. I'll have to have you on again. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You, Bruinsby listeners, have a great rest. If you're weak.